Good evening. How are you guys doing? Pretty good after that worship, huh? Welcome to Unchained. If you haven't ever been before, thanks for taking the plunge. I think you'll have a great time tonight. And uh, sometimes a lot of people say that there is a significant amount of just um, <coughs> battle going on in their lives or it's hard to get here. And if that's, if that's you, just take a deep breath. And you made it, and I think God will meet you before you leave, and you'll experience his heart for you and what you want, what he wants for you, and uh, I don't think you'll, you'll walk out the same. Uh, if you just continue to just um, let him come and meet you right where you're at, that's kind of normal, that when something really good is going to happen, there's a bit of a, a, you know, scramble of the enemy around it or it leading up to it, and, uh, and so that's... It's all good. That just usually means we're in for a great time. And I've had a really hard week, so that always means we're in for a great time at Unchained. I am going to sit down for the most part because I have vertigo, and I could fall right off the stage. Um, and I've already injured myself once this week because of depth perception problems. And you have to be careful when you, you, you lean over to pick something up, and it feels like your desk is like three feet away, but it's really under your face, and <laughs> or you sort of, I don't know exactly what happened, but I kind of fell into it, uh, butchered my lips a little bit, so usually I have very lovely lips, they're a little bit, <laughs> a little bit butchered today, <laughs> it had nothing to do with Michael's aggressive kissing, <coughs> it was all vertigo. Hey, I wanted to introduce you to somebody tonight, um, somebody that God has kind of brought into our lives in the past couple of months, and I'm very excited about his story. And I asked him to share it with you tonight. And so is Clint here? Come on up, Clint. Don't worry, Thanks, Clint. Come on up. Give him a warm welcome. This is Clint. How many of you have met Clint yet? Oh, you got a few fans, friends. Cool. All right. Well, um, this is Clint. And I'm really excited about what God's doing in his life. And I asked him to take the risk to share a little bit of what God's doing in his life with you tonight. And uh, so, Clint, here's a microphone. I'm giving him number two, Jake. And I'm going to, um, I'll start you off by asking you a couple questions. Why don't we step forward? If I, <laughs> I want these people to be able to see you. But if I start to go, just reach out and grab me. <laughs> or if I grab onto you, don't think anything of it. <laughs> just keep talking. Um, but... Clint, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who the first people that you met uh, that went to the vineyard are and where you met them and just the uniqueness of that to start off with. I suppose I could just... You have to hold it very close to your mouth. Very, very close. Yeah. Number two, let me, let me try one more thing. This has nothing to go with vertigo oh, either. The, the green light means it's on. There, right? there you go. That's my fault. All right, can everybody hear me? Yeah. Is that good? Yes. All right, well, like Brenda said, I'm Clint. And uh, before I really get started, I just want to make sure that I'm not up here to, you know, sound my own trumpet. This isn't really about me. Uh, it's just about what, you know, God and the Holy Spirit have done in my life. And it just worked out pretty cool because I screwed up enough when I was younger and I feel that God has plans for me, but now his plans are kind of on a timeline, so it's all happened really fast to get me ready for what he has planning, or has planned. But, um, so a little bit about me, 
uh, I grew up Catholic, but uh, it was more a lip service for me than anything else. So just recently, uh, I work at the Olive Garden, and I was serving, and uh, it had been at a time in my life when I was really looking for my faith, looking for something to stick. I just felt this big hole in me. Why don't you hold that closer to your mouth and that then have them bring him down so he's not ringing quite so much and we'll be better we off. good? Yeah, keep okay. it closer. I so know it's hard, but you got to <laughs> eat the mic. It's just, yeah, part of the gig. All right, so uh, <laughs> I'm looking for my faith, right? And I've tried looking into a couple different churches and just nothing seems to stick. So uh, one night I'm serving at Olive Garden and I run into these, uh, these people with a funny accent. And I just, I just couldn't really place it. So I said, hey, sir, you know, pick up on your accent. Where are you from? And Sammy goes, oh, we're from Ireland. I'm like, well, that's cool. <laughs> when you're repeating him, you, when you're quoting him, you can't even try to do the, <laughs> the accent. <laughs> so, you know, I asked him, well, you're kind of a long ways from home, aren't you? Are, are you on vacation? And uh, I thought it was kind of weird because it's the middle of winter. You know, why would anybody come to Duluth in the middle of winter, right? <laughs> so Sammy tells me that him and Adine work up at the Vineyard Church. And it was just kind of in passing. He didn't, you know, pass out any flyers or pamphlets or anything like that. He just mentioned it. So, uh, you know, I served him, and I think I gave him some pretty good service. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple days go by, and I just can't seem to get the Vineyard out of my head. Like, it just keeps popping up. So I hop online, and I look at the website. And uh, read a little bit, listen to a few of the, you know, podcasts and whatnot. I'm like, wow, this place is pretty cool. Uh, so I emailed Michael, and I said, hey, I'm kind of lost. I kind of need some direction. I need some people to really help me out. And uh, within a day, I was put in touch with Sammy, and uh, me and him started emailing. And I met him here at the church, and we prayed, and it was probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Like, I really felt the spirit come down on me and just start changing everything. And, uh, and that was the day that you actually surrendered your life to Christ and said, I give up, I'm lost, and I need help. And yeah, I like to think of it as my, my Pentecost. That's yeah. when everything just fell right into place. And uh, yeah, it just, yeah. So, so what happened next? <laughs> Sammy, Sammy got the opportunity to lead you to the Lord, and then what happened? Uh, well, a couple days after I met with Sammy, I was uh, listening to... Uh, an online teaching that you did about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just listening, right? Didn't and you? Uh, I heard that you, like, downloaded almost everything that you could find and listened to everything that you could find, which is literally <laughs> hours and hours and hours of teaching from our website. It was kind of like an induction into Vineyard, like, big time. Well, you did it in, what, like, a week or five days or... So, for those of you who can't read between the lines, I have no personal life, so... <laughs> he reads the Vineyard website and listens to podcasts. Anyway, so you're listening to a podcast on the Holy Spirit. Right, and uh, Brenda, you were doing it, and you were talking about forgiveness and how important it is. And then all of a sudden, it was like the hand of God came down on me. I felt, I felt heavy. I felt weird. I can't even describe it. It just was, came from somewhere else. And uh, I knew that I had to talk to my mother because when I was 15 years old, my parents went through a very uh, brutal divorce. And uh, it really hurt me, I think, a lot more than I wanted to admit. And I had to grow up really fast and kind of become, you know, tough and, and shut off and uh, put a lot of my childhood things aside because, uh, you know, my dad, he held it together for my little brother and sister, but I was kind of like his confidant, you know. Me and him talked about everything. And, uh, you know, it's pretty hard when you're 15 years old and you see this guy who you've looked up to your whole life 
And, uh, you know, he starts crying and he breaks down. Yeah. And you're, you know, you got to be there and holding him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, people have been through it. People have been through a lot worse. But that's kind of, you know, what I was walking sure. through. So I had a lot of hate and a lot of anger towards my mother. Well, the Holy Spirit came on me and I got all weak and shaky and my stomach was doing flip-flops. And uh, I knew that I had to get in contact with my mother and forgive her and ask for her forgiveness because I had shut her out of my life completely, you know, for years. seven years, yeah. you know. Um, so that night I went to my girlfriend's house and I just made her hold me because I didn't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> and I had even lost her phone number on purpose so I wouldn't have to talk to her. So your I, mother, uh, my not mother, your girlfriend. Not my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, though, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so the next day, I shoot my mom a text, say, hey, can we get together for lunch? She goes, yeah, that'd be great. Here's my lunch break. So I drove down. She lives in, uh, in Moose Lake. So I drove down there, and I met her. We had a great talk. And I what did you tell her? I mean, she's probably, like, surprised to see you. What are you doing here? You must want something. Uh, I think she thought I was getting married or yeah. something because yeah. she had no idea what was going on. Why would you come? Yeah. Uh, so we had a great meal, and at the end I said, well, Mom, you know, uh, I didn't come here on my own. I came because God sent me. And it was pretty cool because she, uh, she didn't get all freaked out or nothing, you know. Like, I'm on a mission from God. No, she was pretty cool about it. And I said, uh, last night, you know, God told me that I had to come and forgive you for all that you've done, mm. you know, to the family. And at the same time, Mom, I want to ask you for forgiveness because, you know, I've wronged you in a lot of ways and put a lot of hurt on you, too. And she broke down and, you know, it was tears and, you know, all that not manly stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just a lot of forgiveness all around. And uh, she's come to service me a couple times, uh, has received prayer. And I've really started to see the healing once she hmm. asked for the Holy Spirit to come into her life, too. So that healing has really uh, come to the whole family. Uh, she's started a relationship again with my little brother and sister, which is awesome. Hmm. Uh, and even a little bit with my father again. Like wow. Um, Friday, they both came up to Duluth and together in the same vehicle. Wow. And uh, we all went out and shot, you know, about a dozen games of pool, and nobody died, and everybody had wow. fun. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It really is. And there's no way that that kind of reconciliation happens without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because I, you said something like, you were listening to this teaching, and it became very clear to you. God made it really clear to you that all the great things that you were experiencing in the last week and this tremendous fullness that you were feeling in your life at that moment of being filled with the Holy Spirit, that it was going to hinder your growth, that you weren't going to be able to keep growing or continue to experience things if, if there was that unforgiveness there. And that got your attention, didn't it? I mean, like, you were kind of so excited about your new life in Christ and what he was doing in you that you couldn't even imagine it stopping so quickly. And that really motivated you, didn't it, to do something in, about this unforgiveness? Yeah, I mean, I got this. Uh, now, I get a lot of weird images in my head that may only make sense to me. But uh, as, you know, the Holy Spirit fell on me that night, I got this image of uh, me trying to walk down a road, right? But I couldn't. And there, there was a roadblock there, and I had to go back to where I started mm -hmm. and, and start fresh. And so I think that uh, really what God was telling me is that my spiritual growth kind of deadlined. 
when I was 15 there and when I turned my back on everything and had all that hate and that uh, to move past that barrier I had to be forgiven and mm -hmm. ask you know and forgive yeah and receive his forgiveness and you know and until you received that forgiveness for your mom he had to put it in you, didn't he? Because you didn't have it in you. I mean, oh it's no. like, didn't matter how far deep you dig, you don't have that. Right. And, you know, growing up, you know, in a, in a Christian setting, I had always been taught to, you know, forgive and forget and everything. But, you know, if you would have told me six months ago that uh, I'd be on speaking terms with my mother now, I would have called you a liar and yeah. probably never talked to you again. Yeah. So what are some of the... Thankfully, that didn't happen. <laughs> but what, what are some of the cool things since this, you know, reconciliation with your mom, since you've been walking with the Lord a couple months now, you know, what are some other cool things that you're seeing God do? What are some of the life changes that you're seeing in your life? Well, everybody talks about the risk uh, of having faith, and I've really seen that taking place in my life a lot. Whether it's, uh, I've, I have been really involved with uh, outreach and doing the street team stuff, hear it with Sammy and yeah with Sammy, Sammy and everybody and uh, I've really noticed that you know there are there are times when you know I want to go talk to somebody but I'm scared and then all of a sudden it goes away like just that Holy Spirit is I guess you know we talk about spiritual gifts and I guess that's one of my gifts it's just being able to put that stuff aside and have that risk you know and it's tough for everybody but for some reason like you know the Holy Spirit is working in me so that it's not as tough for yeah, me he puts step in out you on what that you ledge, yeah. you know, and that started day one when I went, you know, to see my see my mom because I knew going down there what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I just had that, you know, that peace and that uh, that right frame of mind. I knew that it wasn't just me going; that I had a purpose and that everything was all planned out ahead of me. And I've just seen that over and over in you know mm -hmm. my life the last couple months. That's called taking, faith. Yeah, you just taking that uh, that risk and that faith. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting to see what God's doing. And so tell us a little bit about what, what you're getting ready to do and you got some new changes coming. Just talk a little bit about that because one of the things I love is for our, for I mean, once you're family, you're family. You're kind of stuck with us now. So I know God's got some incredible plans for your life, but and we want to keep praying for you. So what's, what's going on and what's coming up? Well, uh, beginning of May, May 9th, I uh, go on active duty orders and I'm uh, going to start my mobilization training. I'm going to go over to Kuwait, and we're going to run convoys into Iraq. Uh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm looking at, and that's why I feel like I'm supposed to do something over there, whether it's just be that rock for people who are trying to find their faith and, you know, kind of help people who are just a few steps behind where I am. But that's what's so cool is because, you know, I wasted the last seven years of my spiritual growth. So now I feel like, know the Holy Spirit's trying to cram that in the last couple months <laughs> so it's pretty cool I get to see all these changes happen rapidly where other people you know it, it takes, takes yeah, a long time so it's literally you know I've seen what God's have done and you and really Clint it has to a lot to do with your um, submitting to God and you know cooperating with him and just choosing that on a daily basis but he he moves doesn't he when we do that he mo he does his part but sometimes it takes a long time for us to actually be that cooperative and it's really, really cool just to see how much God will do for you when you just surrender and submit to him. So how can we pray for you? Because oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, we I want to pray for you in, in the weeks to come and stuff. So I guess what I pray for every day when I wake up is that uh, I'm the best person I can be for God. 
that I can hear his voice and that he can use me however he wants. And I just try to submit every day because, let's be honest, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Half the stuff I do, I just, I just wing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's got that plan. So the more that I submit, the better things get. Yeah. So pray for you in that and then pray, of course, as you're going into active duty that God will just put you in the right place with the right people around you and meet your needs. You know what? You could gather people. Uh, you could do church there and listen to Vineyard Podcasts for church. And yeah, then you could pray mind. for everybody and it would be awesome. Yeah, that's something that I really feel like is going to happen. I was so depressed a couple days ago because I'm having so much fun doing this outreach. I'm like, oh, I'm going overseas. It has to stop. No, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to stop, and it won't stop there. You know, it'll keep going. That's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing your story. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. There's a lot, there's, there's several things that I just, I'm really struck by um, with Clint's story and just what I've seen God do in his life, and it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff, very, very exciting. And so I want to just wrap up briefly here, and then we're going to get to praying, but I just want to talk for a few minutes about the kingdom of God and just how the kingdom was Jesus's mission. And he commissioned us, he commissioned me, he commissioned you to do it as well. And um, when I look at some of the things that have been happening with Clint, and I see how God wove, you know, Sammy and Nadine's life uh, into his life, and just how they were going about their ordinary, everyday life when somebody that was lost and seeking, uh, you know, found God found him, and just through that relationship. And there's several, as you get, if you hear more and more details of Clint's story, you can just see God's hand just in there, just hundreds of times, and how God was weaving and working and wanting and pursuing Clint. And he used people in his kingdom to do that, uh, to bring Clint to himself and to restore him to a relationship with the Father, and to reconcile his relationship with his family. There's a a blog herald that reports about blogs, and it says that there are 183 million blogs. This is counted probably as of a couple years ago. And blogs are basically people talking about something that they believe in, something that they think is significant, or that they feel is important, or that is on their mind. And it's really impossible to count, you know, all the, clo- all the causes and different things that people blog about, because it's endless. It's, you know, uh, very important things, endangered species, and poverty, and human trafficking, and child labor, and uh, global warming, and environmental change, and, you know, many things that are worth lots of time, energy, and significance. And there's just not any shortage of of worthwhile agendas, something that is kind of demanding your attention or that might just kind of scream at you and say, you have to do something about something. (laughs) And people are investing their lives in all of these causes, and they're based on some really, really good facts, usually. And, And, you know, the facts have been presented to them or they've observed them. 
And then there's this incredible cause of the kingdom of God and bearing God's image and becoming people who love our enemies or love the people that have hurt us and serve our neighbors and forgive people who have sinned against us and spreading the kingdom of God by actually living in our ordinary lives and, and going about our lives. And it was Jesus' mission. That was what he did. He walked about the earth spreading the kingdom of God. And then he commissioned all of us to do that as well and to take up his cause. And it's like Clint said, this total surrender of your life, this total surrender, something that you have been chosen for. Clint was chosen for the kingdom of God. He was made for something, like you and like I are made for something. It's our life's vocation. And there might be other things that we get paid for. There might be other things that we're interested in. But the creator of heaven created us the creator of heaven and earth created us for the kingdom, for himself, to worship the king. The king made you for his kingdom. And we have to kind of get used to the idea because it kind of goes against our culture. It's countercultural to think about ourselves that way, to think about the fact that we're on this mission and that it includes living out Christianity, not just talking about it, but practicing it and making it more customary to practice it, not just to think about it, not for it to just be a theory, but to actually get in our car and drive to Moose Lake because God told us to and walk into somebody in our life who's left us and abandoned us like Clint did his mother. I mean, that's, there's quite a bit of obedience and action there. There's something about God pouring himself into us and then asking us to pour ourselves out and love somebody in return. And it's, it's what I think of the Bible meant when it said to, to work out your salvation. And it doesn't just say that, but it says, with fear and trembling, work out your salvation. And this is, you know, really, truly happening, or we start to do we start to do what we believe. We start to do what we say. And, and I think something that I wish we could wrap our minds around is that I really believe that if Christians did live out their Christianity, that Christianity can hold up to all of the people that are suspicious of it. I think that it's fail-proof and foolproof if we live kingdom lives. And there's something about living as people that are being deconstructed. I don't know what that, you know, if you think about that, it doesn't always feel good to be deconstructed by God, does it? For him to begin to undo some of the things that we've done or that have been done to us. Deconstructed uh, isn't always pleasant. feels a lot of times like suffering. But then after that, kind of stripping away of the things that we've held on to for life, after that, 
then he puts us back together again. He puts us back together again by the power of his Holy Spirit, like Clint described. And then once we've been put back together again, then everything changes, and our lives are totally for a different purpose. They're sort of reordered, and you start to think of your life as it's not really all about me. And when I look at what God has done in Clint's life, I think, you know, here's a guy who was just trying to survive the pain that had happened to him, the abandonment that had happened to him in his life, the hurt that had happened to him. Just trying to, just trying to get by and live and felt like he kept coming up short again and again and again. He described his life as having this incredible void and feeling really, really lost. And oftentimes, uh, when people are seeking God, and even a, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to pray with a gal, and the first thing she said when I, when I sat down, and she was just crying, and the Holy Spirit was on her, she goes, I'm so lost. I'm so lost. Just that feeling of being lost. And, and then we're just sort of trying to figure out how to take care of ourselves. There's quite a bit of self-focus. But then God comes and he does something amazing through the power of the Holy Spirit and he fills us up and he reorders our life. And so instead of having to survive and make it and be self-focused, all of a sudden we can be other-focused. We start to think about what if I go out on the streets and take a risk and pray for somebody? That, you know, and I've heard some of the stories. I was talking with Clint last week about a lady that, you know, had, you know, some dog tags around her neck, and he was drawn to her, and her story was so sad. She had so much loss. She had lost her husband in Iraq, and she couldn't believe that God could be loving if, if she had to suffer that kind of loss. And, you know, here's Clint down on the street, other focus now, not self-focused, not surviving, but literally filled up and being poured out again in somebody's life that's absolutely desperate for a touch from God, but other-focused. It's amazing how much God comes and changes us from the inside out. Kingdom of God is really the only thing that brings that kind of healing and life change to a lost and desperate world. There's this prayer in Psalm 43, and, and it still rings really true today. It says the whole world and all of God's creation cries out, whether they can articulate it or not, and they've had this deep ache down inside their soul for generations and generations, and it goes like this. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And I think about us being light bearers, like, of his kingdom. And if we're being filled and poured out like that, then we are the answer to that prayer. Send us your light and your truth. We can be the answer to that prayer that has been cried for generations and generations. Because we have what the whole human race wants in Jesus Christ. We've found what the whole human race wants. And somewhere along our life's journey, we all have to sort of reckon with experiencing 
that light and that truth and who God is and what he's done for us and how that changes us. When we believe what he's done for us, it changes us. We begin to experience him, experience his presence, abide in him. He abides in us. We remain in him. He remains in us. And it all started with that little simple simple hope, that simple truth that somehow we needed something real. We needed something tangible. We needed something that was authentic and genuine and personal and, and meaningful with the Father. And then he gives it to us through the Holy Spirit. And because of what Christ has done for us, then our eyes are like opened to his presence and 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 we have communion with him and we get we start getting energized to go and to tell this good news to other people. And I I love to hear how you know Clint described that transformation of how you know he just couldn't keep it to himself. He had to go tell his mom. And he and he told her, You're never gonna believe what happened to me. I, Jesus has come into my life. <laughs> and and he couldn't keep it to himself. He's so changed forever that he could not just not tell anyone. He had to tell somebody. He had to practice it. He had to begin to become a doer of the word. And God desires that our life just truly, truly starts to live truth and speak truth. And we start to do the kingdom. We start to heal the sick. We start to cast out demons. We start to uh, bind up brokenhearted people and point people to Jesus and set captives free and forgive people. And it's all life-giving by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. But we get to reveal in action just that healing love of God. Now, there's something really cool that I wanted to share with you about, about Easter. And I, I don't know, about a year ago, I feel like God kind of revealed this to me, and um, it's just a really cool way to think about Easter leading up to it. But today, you know, the church today, we live in, as followers of Jesus Christ, this really, really bright interval between the very first Easter, the very first Easter, and the final consummation of Jesus Christ when he comes again. They're very far apart in our timeline, but that's where we live, in the middle there, okay? And the Garden of Eden is this really good picture of what the new earth, God is remaking the earth, new, there's going to be a new creation, new heaven, and a new earth, and the Garden of Eden, way back in Genesis, describes what the new earth is going to look like, because in the beginning, everything was created exactly as God wanted it to be, and the way that he intended it to be for his purposes. There was order, there was harmony, there was unity, there was abundant blessing, there was no pain, there was no shame, there was no blame shifting or sorrow. And of course, we think of heaven like that, but that's how, that's how the earth started out. That's how God created it. And then sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and it fractured all of our relationships. And you've heard us say it fractured our relationships in, in three ways. One with God, with ourselves, and with each other. And then everything in the Bible, from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, is all about being restored again to the Father. The whole Bible is big, one big story, one big continuum about Jesus dying on the cross, coming, the coming king, coming, dying on the cross, restoring us, the Father pursuing us, and then we get to become in perfect harmony with him again 
and creation again. So here's the very significant and powerful thing about Easter. John tells us really clearly in John 21, and then again in verse 19, that Easter day is the first day of the week. And what he's saying isn't simply, simply just that Easter day happens to be on a Sunday. What he wants us to figure out is the Easter day is the first day of, the, of God's new creation. So the very first Easter morning when Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb was the birthday of God's new world. That was the kingdom coming to earth, the very first time when Jesus walked out of that tomb. So we live between the very first Easter, the first day of the new world, and then when Jesus comes again, and we're following in Jesus' footsteps as he did through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you heard Clint describe his experience of coming under the power of the Holy Spirit, we are commissioned now to be for the world the very same thing that Jesus was for Israel, to bring God's redemptive, reshaping love and light to a lost world. It's pretty incredible. If you think about this and you understand it, then Easter has this whole new kind of meaning to me now because it goes way beyond tradition because I realize that I'm celebrating the whole new creation and the coming of the kingdom and that it was really, really only possible through the resurrection. So this redemption and this sort of reshaping of our world, this big mission that we're on, this bigger picture that we're a part of, this cause that is, you know, crazy worth living and dying for, here's what gets me. It cannot fail. <laughs> Next, this is going to go on my computer. It cannot fail. Does that not excite you a little bit? That you are part of something, you are part of, it, it cannot fail and it will be completed and it will never, ever, ever end. It, it, it has this eternal impact, this fruit that lasts forever. Nothing else is like that. There's nothing else in the world that, that has eternal forever and ever, amen, purpose, except the kingdom of God. There's not one thing that you can sow seeds in the kingdom of God that is in vain or futile, because it is forever and ever toward the purpose, toward the purpose of God's entire plan. And somehow we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of it, to, to take on that mission of being the redemptive love and light to a lost world like a server at Olive Garden. Is that amazing? Just ordinary people taking on the mission of the king for something that it's impossible to fail that will last forever and ever and have a redemptive end. It's amazing. It's a, it's a really cool thing to think about. And there's this important continuity that 
has to be appreciated because it's what helps us go on. It's what helps you get up in the morning when you're having a hard day. It's what helps you recover from a tragedy. It's what makes it so that month after month and year after year, you want to keep going and you want to keep on with this task of trying to help shape God's world, his new world, because it's, it's not going to burn. I, I grew up in a Baptist church. I was taught that, that everything's going to burn, so it's all going to hell in a handbasket, so you know what? Screw it. You know, the only thing that lasts is my soul. And that's not true. God is making a new heaven and a new earth. The kingdom coming. It's all going to be remade. It is being remade. It is being restored. It's going to go on and on and on. And your life and my life and every day of walking in the kingdom with the king is a day toward an eternal purpose that cannot fail. I can dig that. It's like I can, get a, I can go on and on and on if that's what's real, and I believe it is. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to go outside the boundaries of what's appropriate for reading a passage. It's long, but I can't say it any better than 1 Corinthians 15, 27. And just let, the, just let the reality of it, it's very powerful, very perfect for the um, leading us into the Holy Week. I love this passage and what it's saying to us. And it's, it's Paul, he's giving this very detailed and this complex picture of the final resurrection and the nature of the new heaven and the new earth and our, even our resurrected bodies, which... You know, if you get me going on a discussion about our resurrected bodies, I get crazy about it. I think it's awesome stuff. But let's read this. When everything and everyone is finally under God's rule, the sun will step down, taking his place with everyone else. You get that? It doesn't say that we're all going to go up and the world's going to burn. It doesn't say that. God, the sun will step down, taking his place with everyone else, showing that God's rule is absolutely comprehensive, a perfect ending. And why do you think I keep risking my neck in this dangerous work? This is Paul talking about kingdom work. I look death in the face practically every day I live. Do you think I'd do this if I wasn't convinced of your resurrection and mine as guaranteed by the resurrected Messiah Jesus? It's resurrection, resurrection, always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say. <sighs> it's really powerful. what I do and say, and the way I live. If there's no resurrection, we eat, we drink, the next day we die. And that's all there is to it. But don't fool yourselves. Don't let yourselves be poisoned by this anti-resurrection loose talk. Bad company ruins good manners. Think straight. Awaken to the holiness of life. No more playing fast and loose with resurrection facts. Ignorance of God is a luxury you can't afford in times like these. Aren't you embarrassed that you've let this kind of thing go on as long as you have? He's trying to correct some really bad theology. 
um, in the church. But let me tell you something wonderful, a mystery I'll probably never fully understand. We're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. You hear a blast to end all blasts from a trumpet, and in the time that you look up and blink your eyes, it's over. On signal from that trumpet from heaven, the dead will be up and out of their graves, beyond the reach of death, never to die again. And at the same moment, in the same way, we'll all be changed. In the resurrection scheme of things, this has to happen. Everything perishable must be taken off the shelves and replaced by the imperishable. This mortal replaced by the immortal. immortal. Then the saying will come true. Death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? It was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now, in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends. Stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Your labor is not in vain. See, part of the bodily resurrection is that there is this really vital, important continuity. And because the new world, it's, it's already begun. It, it, hap- it began at Easter and at Pentecost. And everything that's done, everything that's done, Jesus' resurrection power and the power of the Holy Spirit, it already belongs to the new world. It's already in course. It's already being shaped, reshaped. And we believe, we believe very convinced, we are very convinced uh, through Scripture that the kingdom of God is very real and present and that Jesus ushered that kingdom right here, right now. And so we live in this tension. We live in the already and the not yet. Sometimes we see the kingdom come crashing in, and sometimes we are going to have to wait. It's not going to come right, right now, right when we want it. But if Jesus' work on the cross is that kind of foundation, that we continue, we continue his kingdom work and we're building something. We're building something that is a guarantee. And I, I love the finality of that. See, your life and your ministry work in the kingdom is not in vain. Even if sometimes it feels hard. Even if sometimes you can't explain what the heck is going on in my life. Is all I'm trying to do is serve Jesus. This doesn't seem fair. Even if you can't understand it, it's not in vain as long as you hold on to Jesus and continue to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that we're not just oiling the wheels of this machine that's going to kind of go over the cliff, you know. It's, it's not like that. It's not even our own efforts. We're following Jesus. We're shaping his new world, and, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it'll stand the test of eternity and time. Why don't you guys stand up with me? I think that there's some stuff that God wants to do to help us out.